Hey, this is Thinking and Drinking. I'm your host, Bart Almond. Over the last 30 years or so, I've worked for major record companies, working with major artists such as Alabama, the Dixie Chicks, and the Florida Georgia Line. I've also been writing songs for the past 15 years, have over 50 cuts, two number ones, and made a lot of friends along the way. I'm going to be talking to some of those friends about songs, life on the road, and just life in general. I hope you have as much fun as I will. Man, oh man, it'd take an hour to describe what Lisa Ramsey means to me and my family. She's been a best friend, a boss, a publisher. She introduced me to my best friend and my bride, Amy. And along the way, she got tons of song cuts, uh, signed a ton of writers, and made an impact in her industry that can't be denied. And she made my buddy Bill Perkins a happy groom to boot. Anyway, here's our friend, Lisa Ramsey. All right. Good morning. Good afternoon, Lisa. Good afternoon. <laughs> I haven't seen you in forever. I know. Why is that? I guess we live on different ends of the world. We do. You just tell me it took you an hour to get to my house. Yeah. So 50, that's my 57 minutes. Yeah. Yeah. Remember that time we were going to, if neither one of us were with anybody, by the time we were 40, we were going to get married but not live together? Correct. Yeah. Didn't happen, thank God. Yeah. Happily married, both yes. of us. High five for that. Yes, yes. please. <laughs> I think we'll. I think we should stay in these. Rooms. And I actually introduced you to your wife. Let's not. I know. That. Well, that's down here too. Okay. But uh, look at this. Giddy up, cowboy. So you were born here, yes. Yes. And uh, that was thirty-four years ago. Yes. Fifteen years ago. Something like that. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Musical, so musical family. You know, my grandmother played piano. Interestingly. When I was a little kid, she had arthritis in all of her fingers, and they were literally bent like that. Ugh. And she would sit at the piano and play like Hank Sr., and I would sit on the piano. This is hilarious. I thought it was jambalaya, goldfish pie. What is goldfish pie? I don't know. I wanted some of that. No one ever gave it to me. Anyway, I would sat with her and listened to her play piano from a very young age. My mom insisted that I take piano lessons because mm-hmm. I was interested in it to start. I was not a very good student. I played by ear, mm-hmm. and the piano teacher would put the sheet music up on the piano, and I would just start playing it, and she'd go, that is not That's what not you're even, playing. That is not, not even the same happening. song. No, not no, even. Uh-uh. So, yeah, I had a teacher that pulled that old chestnut <laughs> on me, too, because I figured out really early on I have really good ears, and same. if it's music, and it music just made sense. Well, I could memorize a song same. first time through, so... Yeah. I wasn't going to learn how to read. Plus, I was a drummer in high school band in junior high. It's all the same note. Ah, see. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Check that one off. Yes, sir. That's one. <laughs> we have uh, 67 more. And you went to MTSU, correct? I did for one semester. Can I tell you the is story that it? about that? Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. So, um, well, I know. What do you, is, I feel like I'm being even ask on the paper. Question. No, so I went to pen. MTSU. I had a little bit of a scholarship for um, broadcasting because I won a thing in my um, high school. It was sort of a debate club, but it was a broadcast uh, competition. Anyway, it doesn't matter. So I went for one semester. I, I started a band and played in the band, and I stopped going to class, and my grades came, and Mom said, this is not working no, for me. Can't. So, mm-mm, that'd be no. So, <laughs> I chose the band over college. Yeah. Well. Yeah. It was not good for me. Nope. No. So, then how'd you get into the music business? Well, let's see. After college, dropout, I moved back home with my mom, and she said, you can live here, but you got to get a J-O-B. Uh-huh. And so I started searching around for jobs, and I found this job at a little company called Calm Data in Green Hills, and it was just a job. I was still sort of playing in my band, and I was going out and listening to live music all the time. And one night, I happened to be at the Ruby Tuesdays in Green Hills nice. with happy hour with my girls after work, and my owner Judd walked in there. And it was 80... Four eighty five. Was she heading to the salad bar? She was not. No, okay. Her her boyfriend was working there. She was dating her high school sweetheart, and he was working there. And um, she was sitting at the bar by herself. And it was kind of after "Mama, He's Crazy," maybe "Why Not Me" ish that era. And I saw her, and I went, "Oh, that's why not." must go talk to her because yes. I knew that if she met me she would love me who does so I walked over there and said hi <laughs> hi 
My name's Lisa. I love you. Love your music. I swear to God, this happened. I introduced myself to her. We started chatting. She invited me to sit down with her and have a beer. I totally ditched my friends that I was with at happy hour. And we started talking. And this is a true story. Like, I'm not joking. She said, well, my boyfriend's getting off work. We're going to a party in Franklin. Do you want to come with us? And I was like, okay. So I'll never forget this. I got it. She had a black BMW with a vanity plate that said, why not me on the back? And I got in her car and I was just like, holy shit, holy shit. Oh my God. I can't believe this is happening. I don't know how I'm getting home. I'm not going to worry about it now. I didn't care. I did not care. (laughs) I'm going to invent Uber tonight. (laughs) So I went to this party and it was some friend of theirs that was going to med school and they were having a going away party for him. So we go to this party and this story gets better. So she drives me back to get my car at Ruby Tuesdays in Green Hills. And we had both had a little bit to drink. And she said, I'm going to follow you home to make sure you get home okay. Okay, I was living with my mom at this little condo. It's 2.30 in the morning, P.S. So she follows me home, and she goes, I'm just going to go in your house and pee real quick because i got to drop back to Franklin. I said, okay. <laughs> so she comes in the house, she pees. Then I drag her upstairs. I have this little music room upstairs at my mom's house, yes. and I had a piano, and I start playing and singing songs to her at 2.30 in the morning <laughs> that I've written, and they're horrible. Let me just say that. <laughs> horrible and she's just so sweet and gracious and she's like uh-huh uh-huh, uh-huh. Like, yeah. so my mom who i'm living with sleep downstairs comes walking up opens the door at 2 30 in the morning goes what are you doing and i said mom it's winona judd look she's at her house right now i'm playing your songs i don't care shut up go to bed be quiet anyway so literally winona gave me her number i gave her mine and a couple days later she called me we met and sat down and talked, and she was looking for an assistant at the time. Like, her career was blowing up. Yeah. Her mom had an assistant. She kind of needed some help. And she said, you love music. We just sort of bonded. You don't really like that job you're working at, right? And I said, right. Right. And she goes, well, I want you to meet my manager. Let's talk. Da-da-da. I met her manager. Is it Kim? Kim Stilts. Stilts. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And they hired me. And they paid me exactly what I was making at my little job I didn't like. And giddy up. Well, that was it. And... I had no idea what I was doing or what I was getting into, and neither did she. We sort of made it up as we went. Yeah. What did you do? Well, my first job was to move her. She was living in this little condo in Brentwood, and I packed up all of her things and moved her to this house that she rented in Franklin. Uh, I went on the road with her sometimes, not all the time. Um, Remember a picture of you and her and Sammy Hagar and Eddie Van Halen? That was later. That that would have been been fun. That was pretty cool. You know what? I'm going to tell you a story because this is a really good story. I'll tell you a story about the Judds after this. Okay. So (laughs) I'm the lowly assistant and my job is to do whatever I need to do for her. And it was fetching her dry cleaning, grocery shopping, um, picking her up at the airport, sometimes making travel arrangements, making an appointment for her to get her hair done, like whatever that was. So they had residencies. They still have them now in Vegas, Tahoe, Reno, whatever. Mm -hmm. And her and her mom, the Judds. We're doing this like 10 days, I think it was, in Lake Tahoe. So, Mr. Hera that owns Hera's or whatever at the time would give, you had the option either to stay in the luxurious suite at the casino hotel or a house. Mm-hmm. So, we're in Lake Tahoe and Winona got the house for whatever reason this time. Sometimes Naomi got it, sometimes she did. So, this house had cooks and maids and like I don't know how big it was ginormous there was a game room with Pac-Man and ping pong and all these fun things downstairs they gave us cars so there was like a four car garage and there was a Rolls Royce a Mercedes and something else in the garage here are the keys if you need to go anywhere here are your cars no I'm not kidding you're (laughs) laughing but I'm not kidding so god I'm sorry if you're listening to this and you'll hate me, but she had that time of the month and I need to make a run to the drugstore to get some lady stuff. Correct. Yes. And I'm driving a Rolls Royce (laughs) in Lake Tahoe going to Walgreens to get tampons. (laughs) And all I kept thinking the whole time is how ridiculous this is. It's like, are you kidding me right now? If my friends from Antioch, Tennessee, where I grew up, could see me now, they would just shake their head. That's it. But I did everything. Whatever she asked me to do, I did. Were you on the uh, farewell 
tour at no, all? No, I wasn't working for them anymore then, but okay. I went to it and I cried like a baby at the show. Well, I was, I worked 40 of those shows. So I got bored. We'd always do the meet and greets beforehand. And for some reason, I kept staying. I don't know why. I mean, it was a great show, great songs, blah, blah, blah. Well, I found out that you can go under the stage and there was steps on that stage and you could see through the steps oh, no. and I could see the people out there. And then I noticed the teleprompter and during love can build a bridge right in the middle in parentheses, it said, mama cry here. And she would start Shut crying up. every night right there. You know, what's funny because <laughs> I didn't go on the road with them all the time, but when I went, I would sit on the side of the stage with the monitor guy, yeah. and I would almost mouth every word that either one of them were going to say, because it wasn't necessarily, well, they didn't have teleprompters, but it was totally scripted. I yeah. mean, it was like the same thing every night, and you just go, oh, my God. You yeah. know what? The fans ate that Absolutely. Shit hey, the fans only going to see one of those shows on right. that tour, where you're going to see 30. And, so. you know, if you need a little, a little reminder, so, but that's funny. Mom, cry here. Can, yep, mama, cry here. <laughs> so, after that, did you go to Music Mill? Uh, yes, I had a little stop off in between. Um, I worked for Synchro Sound, which was Randy oh, Walker yeah. and Mike Robertson for like a year. Uh, their recording studio and sort of was their assistant for about a year. Wait, Mike Robertson manager, Mike? Yeah, Mike okay. managed Pam Tillis and Leroy Parnell. Wade Hayes? Yes. That's how I worked with him for Wade. And uh, Randy Walkler had 615 Productions that did all the, it was like news, beds, soundtrack, okay. music stuff and whatever. And so I was both their assistants and I booked their recording studio for them. And that was a little bit less than a year. That was actually my intro into Music Row because yeah. I was so isolated working for Winona. Yeah. You know, I was on the road with her. Lived with her all the time. In Franklin. Correct. Yeah. So that was my intro into Music Row, and I'm, it was a whole different situation there. And that's when I met, actually, Harold Shedd, okay. who ended up hiring me to work at the Music Mill, was okay. when I was working there. So who else? Was was Joe there then? Joe Scaife? At the Music Mill? Yeah. Oh, God. No. So, no, not at Synchro Sound well, okay. or any of that. Right, no, right. That, I didn't meet any of those guys until after I left there and went to the Music Mill. Right, okay. And that was 1990. You met a little guy named Billy Ray Cyrus there, probably. Oh, my gosh. How about that recurrence of a career? I mean, Holy actually, crap. he and I just emailed each other the other Did day. Did you really? It was so funny. Yeah, because um, you and I talked a little bit before we went live on this podcast, but I just recently spent some time going through my attic and going through photos and going through journals and stuff, and it was such a crazy experience, so... 1992, I went to work at the Music Mill in 1990, 1992 is when <clears throat> Achy Breaky came out and all that craziness happened, and I have, oh my God, stories. There's, we don't have enough time. <laughs> I wonder, totally seriously, <clears throat> if there's ever been an artist that had like an eight-week number one correct. and then replaced it with an 18-week number one or something. Like, Has anybody done that? That is so insane. So, and this is one of the things that sort of occurred to me when I was going through all my journals and stuff. So, 92, Achy Breaky, I worked at the Music Mill. Don Von Tress wrote Achy Breaky Heart. We were his publisher. Okay. I have so many stories of behind the scenes of all that stuff happening while that record was going down. It's just crazy. But, so then in 2000... Think of what year that was, Bart. It was Disney, 2005, 6, 7. You were my songwriter, and I'm sure you want to, we can get into that. But Achy Breaky Heart with Billy Ray, and then the climb with yep. his kid, which is so insane. So when I was working at Disney, they were looking for songs for the Hannah Montana movie, and we got the climb in that movie. And you can see upstairs on my wall, I've got Billy Ray's multi-platinum award record thing and then Miley's hanging on the wall. How crazy is that? Yeah. Like how many years later? Two of the biggest songs in my career I've ever been a part of were Billy Ray and Miley. That's wild. Isn't that nuts? Billy and Tish used to bring up at Jack's Place on Monday nights mm -hmm. at Sony used yeah. to bring uh, Miley in there. Isn't it's like nuts? She was just a little gawky little 10-year-old. Couldn't really tell if it was a boy or a girl until she talked. <laughs> It's just look, you know, that kind of whatever. I know. But, yeah, Billy Ray. <laughs> I told him one time, I found out that he is what I call dangerously um, 
uh, generous. Mm. Like, if you go, dude, I love that shirt, man. Oh, okay. Yeah, or there'll be one will show up the next day, and you didn't realize that Mm -hmm. that's a $700 shirt. Or like I said, man, I'm kind of wanting to buy a Harley at the time when I was at Sony. Come out and take mine. And I had his bike for like a month. And I got, I heard you have like... 1,400 acres, 1,700 acres out here or something. He goes, no, it's way smaller than that. It's only like 900 acres. <laughs> like, whatever, One of the things that I that struck me uh, reading the journals in that whole time, because, you know, he was so driven in yeah. the beginning of that. He, I read his book even recently, you know, and he talked about he was working, I don't know where he was working at the time. He had a job doing something and he heard this voice say, get a guitar, start a band. He's like, what? I mean, he did. That's how the whole thing started. If you read his book, which is nuts. But that whole era of the music mill, that creativity, that energy and whatever is something that I'll never be a part of again. Yeah. It was the most special time ever. And like you were saying, like he would give you the shirt off his back Every entry in my journal, he told me he loved me like every day and can I do anything for you and thank you. Like he was the most grateful, gracious human ever. And he still is. Yeah. And even, you know, um, so I ended up with this tiny little part in the Hannah Montana movie as the background singer. Oh, that's right. Me and Sonia Isaacs and... uh, (laughs) Jesse. Yes. Yeah. And so I got to hang out with Miley on the set of that movie one day and I was blown away by how gracious and humble and smart that kid was and that was i mean she was what 15 then maybe no maybe younger than that yeah yeah anyway that cyrus family's Mm. had a lot to do with my music career that's for sure yeah these good folks yes but um okay so then did you go to hamstein yes so that's where i met you correct the music mill harold shed sold the catalog in 1997 and I went to work at Hamstein and that was a great chapter of my life. That was, you know, Bill Ham who managed, produced CZ Top. Yep. Um, that company. Clint Black. Mm-hmm. And there was just that era was like insane. The writers and the talent that were there. Yeah. Um, I know. Uh, Bobby, Pinson, Tony Martin, Jack and Britton. Mm-hmm. I don't even remember. Uh, Chuck Jones. Oh, Yeah. Uh, I'm trying to think. Lee Miller, Monty Criswell. There were so Gosh. many great. No, it was stupid. There was a a year at the BMI Awards that we got like seven or eight awards as a little independent, and Sony Tree was publisher of the year, and they got ten. Like we were that close to being. Man. Yeah, it was cray cray. <laughs> so that was fun. That was uh, '97 to about 2000. Hamstein got sold to Mosaic. So that was a whole another time. That's right. But yeah, it was basically the same company, a lot of the same writers. I think there was a girl that worked at Hamstein too. Her name I, was Amy. Still is. Amy. <laughs> I call her my super hot trophy model wife. She mm-hmm. said I model for Should trophies. Should we talk about that story? Sure. She was the most patient woman in the world and still is, thankfully. So you and I were best friends yep. during this time. Because of Ricky Medlock, that's a yep. whole another side chapter, right? We got introduced to him, and then we stayed. Yeah, and then how did that happen? Did Amy ask about you? Amy said, "What about Bart? I would maybe like to date Bart." And I said, "No, he's a train wreck. You cannot date Bart." <laughs> well, you, you and me and Ricky were going out for sushi, right? And. She happened to be there, and I think he just said, oh, let's bring her, Amy, along with it. And But she was interested in you. She waited two years <sighs> after that train wreck story, yeah. and I, uh, uh, I'm so, so thankful that you told her that, because I just would have gone in head well, first and just, ruined it. You had just gotten divorced, mm-hmm. and you were not in a good space, and I knew that. You were in a good space to be my best friend, which yep. you were, and that was amazing. <laughs> But I said, Amy, you don't want to date him right now. He's a train wreck. And she said, but why? That's because he needs a minute. And so, and then, you know what I remember? Remember that trip to Gatlinburg we went Mm -hmm. on? And so you drank just enough beer to confess to me that you made out with Amy. (laughs) And you said, just kidding. We already made out. So it's on. And I was like, dang it. What? Yeah. Okay. And yeah. the rest is history, as they say. She's a good kisser, too. I like kissing on her. Mm-hmm. But, 
Yeah, that was that was fun. That was a lot of stuff. There was a lot of moving parts in the music business then. Mm-hmm. There I mean, still is. <laughs> yeah, but it's just it's so different. It's like, you know, I have those two Dixie Chicks Diamond Awards mm-hmm. in my little studio, and when people come over to write, they look at those and it's like. I've never seen one of those. It's like, never going to happen again. Yeah, it'll never happen again. Correct. I mean, and I've told this story before, but when we, the second album went double platinum, we were still doing 30,000 pieces of the first album. A week. Yeah. And now again. the number one album on the Billboard chart last week was 32,000. Uh-huh. And that's the number one album. Uh-huh. And then it's, you see a, a Diamond Award for a download, which I think FGL Cruise was the very first one of those, which, which is it's unbelievable, too. But it's, it's different when you think about people going out and buying. Well, and that's so, you know, one of the things, and I'm sorry if I'm jumping ahead. No. When I worked at Sony, at the record label, we would sit in those staff meetings and hear about, you know, Download equivalent or whatever those those words were, and yeah. just like I just want to go bullshit. Yeah, it's not the same. Nobody man. going out and spending their money. It's just not the Mm-mm. same. And those I always call the nineties. You know, the land of milk and honey when everybody was oh, having man. gold records, and it was amazing. And um, it's just not anymore. But there's always like a a Chris Stapleton or a somebody that comes out of nowhere, and you. You go, yay, all is right with the world again. <laughs> Thank he, you. He comes out of nowhere, but although we knew him for 20 well, years. Well, we did, but, but yeah. nobody else did. Yeah. Right. Someone is licking my leg. Is it my dog? I think it is. I hope it's my dog. <laughs> Tilly? <laughs> Do you want to be on the podcast? I've got two little dogs. At, <laughs> I have two little dogs at home that will lick that exact spot and go, who is here? <laughs> what, the, what the crap, oh, dude? This is going <laughs> so good. No, no. Okay. Okay, so you went from a hamstick, 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 hamstick yes. to mosaic. Yeah. And how long were you mosaic before you went and did Disney? Um, hamstein was, and I don't remember the exact year that they sold. So the hamstein mosaic period that I sort of combined were from 1997 to 2005. Okay. Uh, in 2005, interestingly, um, my BFF Toby Keith and I are going to start a publishing company together. And... Um, Around about that same time, Doug Howard reached out to me. Lyric Street had just taken off. Right. They had Shadaisy, Rascal Flats, all that was happening, and they wanted to start a publishing company. And he reached out to me about coming to work at Disney. And it was weird. It wasn't weird. I mean, I shouldn't say it was a God thing. That's exactly what it was. Because I was going to do this thing with Toby, and there was we kept hitting a hiccup in our contractual Mm. legal and it was no one's fault. Toby Steele is one of my best friends to yeah. this day. It was attorneys I will blame it on. Let's just say that. Yeah. So I took the gig at Disney, and that was in 2005. And we started that company. And as you know, because I signed you yes. as a writer, it yes. was awesome. Yeah, man. Gordon Kennedy, Jesse Alexander, Mark Nessler, me, Philip White. Sonia Isaacs. Sonia. Charlie Pate. I was thinking about old Chuck Pater the I other know, day. I know. The Colossus of Rhodes. I know. Oh, what? That's a whole different conversation. I miss that yeah. guy. He's an interesting couple of guys. And I went in there and promptly accrued about $200,000 in debt and got dropped. So <laughs> <laughs> I remember you went to work. You went to work at Sony and Koss uh, came in. Yeah. And of course, the first thing he does is try to get. Right. Where everybody is, what page right. you're on. <laughs> he looked at me. <laughs> he said, uh, yeah, I'm, not, I'm pretty sure we can't make this work. He goes, I would love to. You got cool guitars, and I love you being in here. I said, that's, that's my but fault. You know what? You're an amazing songwriter and well, a great guitar you. player, and it just wasn't our time. It wasn't yeah. our season to have whatever it is. I mean, look, I've been doing this long enough, so have you. There's a season, stars on it, things happen and they happen. I yep. mean, I remember when I was working at the music mill, one of the first, I'm going backwards, but one of the first songs that I had anything to do with getting cut was a song called Take It Like a Man on Michelle Wright. Oh, yeah. Who's a Canadian artist that came. Yeah. That song had been sitting in the catalog for eight years. Who knew? Yeah. All of a sudden, it's a number one song for her. There's seasons of this. We don't yeah. know. There's so much of it, as you very well know, that's out of our control. Oh, man. But we had a good time, and it was a good signing, and I'm grateful we got to work together, and so what? 
Jeff still swears that uh, Closer is one of the best songs he's ever written. And it's like, yeah. well, I'm glad and you, you like it. And you never know. I mean, yeah. there's so many songs that sit around in catalogs for a long time and then just raise their little head and are a hit, and you just don't know. Wasn't, uh, what was the Marcus Hummins song for Rascal Flatts? Broken Road? Mm-hmm. Wasn't that like 22 years old or something? I have no idea, but and probably could have been. ended up being like BMI song of the right. year, whatever, and right. obviously a great song. But Yeah. So then you went to Sony. <laughs> oh, had, you, had you wanted, had you ever wanted to work for a record company or was publishing just no, your heaven? I'll tell you exactly what happened with that deal. So at Disney... One of the things that happened when I was at Disney is I got married. Right. So I was a workaholic person. You don't start a publishing company from scratch and not work from the time you get up to the time you go to bed. Yeah. So and the issue with Disney, there's a two-hour time difference in Burbank. That's mm-hmm. where my boss was. So between signing six or seven writers and, you know, I mean, I bought every stick of furniture for that office, like everything. I was working from the time I got up to the time I went to bed yeah. every night. So I met my husband, got married, and decided I wanted to be a wife, maybe a little bit. Yeah. And maybe not work 24-7. So I was having drinks with Renee Bell one night, who is the senior vice president of A&R at Sony, which was RCA, Arista, Columbia, all mm-hmm. that. And so at that time... Carolyn Mobley, Clay Bradley, and Leslie Roberts were all leaving. They all worked under her in A&R. Man, I totally forgot. So three people left. So Renee and I are having drinks, and she's freaking out. And she's like, oh, my God, I've got to hire somebody to take their place. And I said, pick me. And she just looked at me like I had three heads. And Mm -hmm. she goes, Lisa, you're the vice president of Disney. You're not going to come. This is like a senior director A&R gig. Like, no. And I said... I don't want to be the boss of anything anymore. Yeah. I want to go to work and go home and yeah. be a wife. And I don't want to be the boss of anything. Like I would gratefully be your employee. Like, let it, seriously, not kidding. Let it be a job that you love, but not a career. Yeah. yeah. And so I just wanted to have a life for the first time. Let's just rewind for a second. I'm <laughs> going back to the journals and all this stuff. When I went to work for Winona in my twenties, that was a 24 seven job. P.S. Yeah. I have never had a job that I got to be finished with at 5.30 and go home. Right. Ever in 30-something years. It's on the road, the weekends, the whatever, the whatever you, whatever she needs, get up, go do. I'm not kidding. It was, I never had that job. And that was when they were screaming hot, too, I mean, ridiculous. Yeah. So, I just wanted to have a life, quite honestly. And so, the the offer of the A&R gig um, was that thing for me yeah it was i don't have to be in charge i don't have to run a company i don't have to do any of this i'm gonna go work for a girl that i love and respect and care about at a record label that's amazing yeah. he's a great artist and i'm gonna get to come home at the end of the day that's a joke too p.s <laughs> that ended up not happening but that's the reason why i took that job let's just start there. they lied to you they lied <laughs> yeah to i know that ricky bobby you said oh no not ricky bobby it was the uh the elf movie, The Santa Claus, you sit on a throne of flies. <laughs> a lie. It was a big fat lie. Anyway. Yeah, I that and and those kind of jobs to me there there can never be enough money. Right. There's never enough job satisfaction. Yeah. Because you just don't always want to be there. Right. You know, and that's like when I when I got divorced second time, still fun to say. I was out I was gone two hundred and thirty two days. That year and my dad goes, What, what are, are you doing? doing? I said, I said, I got it. I'm doing good work. Mm-mm. I said, I know I have to deal with some of this crap. I don't have to deal with it today. And then when I left the FGL gig, when I was out with them, I was gone 175 days. And I just came home. I just said to Amy, I go, I'm just tired of doing this. Uh-huh. You know, I mean, it's fun and they're great guys and they all love their wives and it's, it's a really great place to be. I don't want to do it anymore. That's the thing. It's just you get to a place where you want to do it. Yeah. And so um, the Sony gig was great, though. Yeah. So let me talk about the good things about that. So I already knew Miranda because um, I shared office space with Frank Liddell. Oh, right. We had the mosaic was in the same carnival building. We shared office space. So I met Miranda. Love Miranda. So when I went to work there, 
honestly, Renee was so gracious. She said, here's the artist that you're going to work with. And I got Miranda. I got Gretchen. Mm-hmm. I got Martina. Let me think of who else I got. I can't remember. But anyway, jo- Jenny. Joanna. Yeah. Yeah. But it was so much fun. Like, here was my job. I sat in my little office and I met with publishers all day, every day, and listened to songs and found songs for the artists that we were working with. Mm-hmm. And then Renee would say, you need to go to a showcase, which was almost every night, let's yeah. be honest, at 6 o'clock to see all these artists that were looking for record deals. So it was like the happy, happy joy, joy. Yeah. This is so great. And then <laughs> Joe Galani retired. <laughs> Everything sucked after that. <laughs> He did. He retired. Mm-hmm. So, oh and Gary God. came in, right? Gary Overton. Uh, yeah. So, life was beautiful working for Renee, not being the boss of anything. Everything was beautiful. I mean, I still had to go on the road on the weekends some and do showcases at night, so I wasn't home like all the time. Yeah, but it was bad. So then Joe retired, and Gary came. And I actually really did like Gary. Yeah. Um, he, he was coming from EMI, correct? Correct. Yeah. He was the head of EMI Publishing. And right. I really did like him. He had a laid back style that was different from Joe and that created a whole different set of circumstances. Everybody's laid back compared to Joe. Correct. <laughs> but I liked that. I did too. I did. Yeah. So um, Renee got fired, my boss. And then Gary had the not very brilliant idea to not replace her. So, me and Jim Catino became the co-heads right. of the A&R department. And that was... And so, won. anyway, Gary had the not-so-brilliant idea of... And I understand he had to let Renee go and there's, you know, downside, whatever that was. Yeah. Me and Jim Catino being the co-heads of the A&R department was not a good idea because, um, number one, for me... Now I'm the boss again. This yeah. is not what I signed up for. It's not what I wanted to do. Catino had been working there about 15 years. He had a lot of seniority over me, and he should have been given that position, and yeah. he should have had that job, but he didn't. So it just got weird between me and him. It wasn't fun. I didn't love it. Um, it became more and more responsibility for me. There was more travel. There was more weekends. There was more insanity that I didn't sign up for, and mm-hmm. I didn't want to do. So... Um, I remember like what you were talking about, like coming home to Amy and going, I don't want to do this anymore. Like I remember specifically coming home and looking at Bill and going, I'm exhausted. Like this sweet little gig I signed up for has turned into something I did not plan on. Didn't want it to be. I'm exhausted. I don't want to do it all the time. Yeah. And, um, so I was there for five years. I had a great run. Um, I found mama's broken heart from Miranda, which, we were talking about earlier about like achy breaky heart, the climb. That was my coup de grace. And mm-hmm. so, can I tell you the story about what happened? Yeah. With that? Do you know it? Okay, so I was over at Warner Chapel listening to songs. BJ Hill was pitching songs to me, and um, he played me this guitar vocal for Mama's Broken Heart. And I said, "Oh my God, put that on hold for Miranda like right now." And he goes, "I, I gotta just." There might be a demo of it. I don't really know. Casey Musgraves wrote this song with Shane and Brandy, and they're trying to get her a record deal. Like, I don't really know what's happening. I said, I don't care. I don't need a demo or whatever. I just want the guitar vocal. Let me have it. So he gave me a copy of it. I sent it to Miranda. Miranda blows my phone up immediately (laughs) and says, put this song on hold. Oh, my God, I love this song. And so... um, Who was singing on the guitar vocal? Casey. Was it Casey? Mm -hmm. So anyway... Miranda blows my phone up and says, I have to have this song. I love this song. And so I start calling the publishers. Robin Palmer, Shane McAnally's publisher. BJ, obviously, at Warner Chapel is Casey's publisher. And Stephanie Cox was Brandy's publisher. I started calling him. So Robin Palmer calls me and goes, you cannot have that song. And I said, what you talking about, Willis? <laughs> she said, no, 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 no. They're recording that for Casey Musgraves for her pitch. They're trying to get her a record deal. And she, no. But Miranda's already got a record deal. That's what I said. <laughs> I'm sorry, what? Uh, but anyway, it turned into this thing. It was not good. So <laughs> she says, you can't have the song, and I'm mad and whatever. So I start calling. I'm like, you guys, you guys screwed up, not me. Like, this is my relationship with my artist you're talking about, and I'm not going to call her now 
inside just kidding, you can't have that. So I'm going to take it back it. from her. Why'd you play it for me? Correct. Yeah. Ding, 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 yes. ding. See? See? We have a winner. 30 years in the business. So, and I know that. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so anyway, it turned into this thing. I'm not kidding. I paced my back porch. I Ugh. chain smoked cigarettes. Went through arguing, whatever. And finally, um, Casey, God bless her little soul, graciously just worked it out with Miranda and said, look, you can have the song. It was meant for me, but you can have the song. I want to at least sing on it, and you got to tell me it's going to be a single because otherwise, sure. bullshit. And That's right. fair. So Casey came sang on it, and it was a single, and the rest is history, and we won awards, and it was beautiful, and yay. See, so good stuff happened. It did. I actually really enjoyed my time there until the very end. And look, I'm not trying to bash Gary or anybody that was there. It was just the circumstances. It was just... The way everything played out was not ideal for me. And it turned into something that you, you loved the way it was. Right. That's yeah. not what I signed up for right. in the beginning. And it wasn't ideal for me. And that's no one's fault. Like, Joe wanted to retire. Gary got this job. Like, Katino and I were in this weird space. Like, it's no one's fault. Yeah. It's just what happened. And it wasn't fun for me anymore. Did you look for drastically different things when you went to sign an, an artist versus at a record company versus a publishing company? I mean, obviously, one, they have to be either an artist or a writer, but they can be both, but I mean... I always wanted to find something different. Like, even when when we were working together at Disney, I never wanted two people to do the same thing. Yeah. If you had a Gordon Kennedy, if you had a Philip White, or if you had a you, like I remember the conversation we had when I signed you, I don't have anybody that does what you do. Yeah. You're this phenomenal guitar player and you had this kind of rock edge and no one else did that. So I always wanted to have a full deck of playing cards and none were the same. They were all did what they did. And at the label, always wanted to find somebody that was just different. Yeah. That was different from what everybody else was doing. You don't need two Martinas. You don't need two Carrie Underwoods. You don't need two anything. There already is one. Especially at the same label. Correct. Because then you're just fine for each other. And there were. Spot. I mean, let's just be honest. Yeah. It ended up happening, but I tried not. <laughs> yeah. It can happen. Yeah, I was at a publishing company that signed four guys that did the exact same thing. And then we all just were, were like, "Why are we doing this?" It's not, not. It's not really happening for any of us. Right. It's kind of sorting, ha- sort of happening if this was all one of us. Uh-huh. But yeah, that's. I like that. So then you left the Sony. Had you ever dealt with that kind of politics at a workplace you, either? Do we want to talk about why no, I left I the just, Sony? No, no let's that's talk totally. About it. Let's, let's talk totally, about that's it. That's totally let's your call. About- <laughs> but you know, just but record companies Here's are everybody's fighting for their spot. It was this is what um, I had never experienced this before because if you want to go back to my career, I worked for Winona. I was a personal assistant. I worked at the Music Mill, which is a small independent publishing company. I worked yeah. at Hamstein, small independent. When you go, even Disney, even oddly, Disney, yeah. you can say. Disney was Disney, but they left us alone. We yeah. were our own little island of our songwriters in Nashville, Nashville office. They didn't bother us. Yeah. We weren't really affected by right. this giant corporate mentality. Sony was like, holy shit. Yeah. So there's 80 employees. Everyone is jockeying for position. What I found yeah. interesting is sitting around at those um, department head yeah. meetings and whatever, Wednesday meetings. It's like everyone went around like roll call. It was sort of like, what did you do today? Right. Well, here's what I did. Right. And it was like everyone sort of justifying their position and their yeah. job, which I thought was complete and total bullshit. You kinda, it was just weird. You kind of go, that's, yeah. I always wanted to be at a big record company. And then when I got to a big record company, this music these songs that move people's souls just they could be coasters or correct plastic flowers You'd be it's still anything. just a product you're right, throwing it out right. there and we and we love it cuz that's yeah. what kind of people we are i got in arguments like some of the things that were the worst parts uh, was getting in arguments with and sorry cuz you were a promo guy <laughs> 
I would have an argument with the head of promotion about a single choice. Right. Because I wanted the song that tugged at a heartstring or was the best record or the yeah. best thing or whatever. And he wanted the song that he could get up the chart the quickest. And I was like, no, yep. no, no. Well, because in the day, more people that hear a song, theoretically, more people that buy the song. But, but you're right. We argued about that consistently. Like, <laughs> So Danny Gokey, who's an amazingly successful Christian artist now, we yep. signed him at Sony. I was his A&R person. We cut this song that was so amazing. I don't remember the title of it, but Charles Kelly was a writer on it from Lady A. Mm-hmm. It was a four-minute song, and it was an emotional, power, positive ballad. And I sat in this meeting and listened to the, I will not say who, head of promotion argue about why. So I stayed up all night long and started Googling and researching songs that had a spiritual, positive context that were four-minute songs like The Little Girl, John Michael Montgomery, Three Wooden Crosses, Randy Travis, that like brought artists back from the dead and won awards, and I lost the dang argument. Lost it. Nope, we gotta have that three-minute, you know, up-tempo, positive single. I lost the dang argument. Jeffrey Steele told me one time, the most played single of all time is a sad song. Right. It's She's Lost That Love and Feeling. Correct. And it's like, so let's, by all means, let's not do that. Yeah, no. Why would we want that? Because we didn't want to sell any records or no. Right. Okay. (laughs) So you left Sony. I did. Under a cloud of darkness. (laughs) And... So this, you started Little Extra in 2014? 2013. 2013. Mm-hmm. And that was you and... Joe Scaife. Yes. So I met Joe, obviously, when I worked at the Music Mill. Joe Scaife produced Billy Ray Cyrus, Becky Burton yes. Hard, and he produced a shit ton of other So you records. stayed friends with him all this we time? Did. Yeah, it was so That's crazy. crazy. From 92, like, we had Titans season football tickets together. That's I've never right. not been friends with him. We have stayed friends, <laughs> sorry, this whole time. And so, this is how that happened. Um, I left Sony, and I just didn't know what I was going to do with myself. I didn't even know if I wanted to be in the music business anymore, honestly. So, Joe and I had been talking, because I wanted him to produce an act that was signed to Sony. We'd been talking about that. Anyway, I called him and said, "Um, hey, lost my job at Sony. Don't know what I'm going to do. I don't even know how, honestly, the conversation sort of started. I immediately knew I wanted to get back into publishing because that was where my heart was. That was the majority of my career. I knew I did not want to go back to work for corporate America. That did not work for me. So I drove out to his house and just started talking to him. I said, I want to start a publishing company. I just miss, miss the 90s. I miss how it was, blah, blah, blah. And he said, well, I just bought a marina. You know, he said, you know what's so funny is he had this huge property in Franklin he had sold and he had a little bit of cash he was out by me he was out by me yeah Mm -hmm. Uh, Leapers Fork that huge property and he had a little bit of cash and he just was at a place where he said how much money do you think it would cost what do we need to do and we started a conversation and so he came on as my business partner we started Little Extra in 2013 what, you know what's crazy is we moved into the Carnival building. I was in the same office I was at at Mosaic. I remember <laughs> oh my that. God. Yes. I walked into there like, are you kidding me right now? Yeah. But it was amazing because Carnival was upstairs. That whole creative vibe was still there. And that was you awesome. knew where the bathrooms were. I did. I knew where the bathrooms were. <laughs> so we started that. I signed a few writers and um, we had some hits. We had a big fat Luke Combs for week number one last year, which is amazing. And then I quit. <laughs> well, wait now. There's, oh, there's, wait. Oh, more, there's st- more stuff. Okay. What is Chicks with Hits? Chicks with Hits is a song player group. Actually, I got involved in that in 97-ish when I worked at Hamstein. A bunch of women. I think they just had the 20th anniversary, right? 20, 20th anniversary. We had that party. I think it was last year. It's just a bunch of women song pluggers that work at different publishing companies. I mean, like Harlan Howard's company, Melanie yeah. Howard, Robin Palmer, which is Shane McAnally, uh, Whitney Dane, Ray Geyer. I'm trying to think of everybody that's in there. And don't get mad at me if I don't say it. But it's a great group of women. And we get together as a group and pitch songs to people. And it's more fun that way because you have, I mean, if you've got an artist that's, you know, 
you want to meet with for an hour, you've got 15 publishers and players yeah. pitching songs to them, and it's just kind of one-stop shopping. And it's fun. We usually drink during those meetings. So and you get to represent collectively 50 writers instead Correct. of five. Exactly. So. The, the bummer is, as a publisher, you get to play two or three songs. The positive is you get to hear the other songs that people are pitching and get the reaction of what they like and don't like so you can come back. Yeah. And go, ah, okay, you dug that, you didn't dig this, and right. so now I know what. And you probably heard writers, and you said, you'd be perfect. Let's get him together with co-writes her. All co-writes all day. Absolutely, yeah. yes. That's cool. That's cool. So I was going to say, do you want to do the lightning round? Because it's fun. Okay, let's do it. Just all I want is don't think about it. <laughs> okay. Just top of your head. Okay. What's your favorite book? Jungle Book. Jungle Book? <laughs> what are you, nine? <laughs> it's my favorite. That's <laughs> funny. Sorry. No, I like it. I like it. Uh, what's the last gift you gave someone? Mm. My neighbor, Sally, I gave her a gift certificate for a massage yesterday. Nice. What's the first concert you saw, and how old were you? Donny Osmond, probably 10. Yes. Where was it? And that? they called it Puppy Love. <laughs> we'll have to pay for publishing that. Oh, damn it. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> where's your favorite place to travel? Sanibel Island. Yeah? Mm-hmm. How do you get there? Fly. I mean, is it... Where is that? Is that off? Fourth Myers. Sat fourth? Oh, my God. Fourth Myers. We call this thinking and drinking jello. It's a... Uh, South of Fort Myers. You fly okay. to Fort Myers and drive there. Sandbell Island, hands down. Is there a song you never want to hear again? Um, no. Really? I mean, I can't think of one right now. I was going <laughs> to ask you what you'd be doing if you weren't doing what you're doing, but that's kind of redundant now. Uh, I'm housewifing. Yes, exactly. Well... You, quote-unquote, see, I even quoted, quoted, retired in 2018. I did. What's what's next? Well... You going to reread Jungle Book? <laughs> <laughs> Pick up that chestnut? <laughs> when I was a little kid, my mom read that book to me, and I love it. And it's who was your favorite? Who's your favorite character? Aunt Mowgli. Mine was Baloo. Yeah, Bagheera. It's pretty cool, too. Yeah. Um, so, you know what? Right now, I'm digging having this time off in this break, and I don't know what I'm going to do after this. I still love music, still listen to music. I stay in touch with who I want to stay in touch with. It's in the music business. I live at the lake. They come out on the boat. We hang out. Um, I still think there's some great music being made. Like, I worship Eric Church. Dirk Bentley, I love Thomas Rhett. There's, I'm so sick of people saying the music sucks. You know what? Just shut up. Yeah. There's some great music I think yeah. still being made. And I still love it. What's interesting is not working in the music business right now, listening to music, I'm not mad about it. Like, I would pitch songs all day long and then hear a song on the radio go, my song was better than oh, that. Man. Now I'm not mad about it. Now I just listen to it as a fan and yeah. I dig it and it's fun. And um, and you don't listen like you used to, so you're no. not you're not sick of songs. I heard that song forty times because you're always I was always listening to morning shows and radio on the, and I just got so sick of songs that I was working. I was sick of them. right. And you're you're listening to it with a different purpose. Like you're listening to it like yeah for you. Can I get it played? You know, can I get it charted? Like whatever, and I'm listening to it. Can I get it cut? Yeah. Can I get it past whoever? Like, it is so nice, honestly, Bart, to just be a fan of music. And yeah. Bill and I go out on the lake on the weekends and just crank up music. And nobody that we know in our little lake boating community gives two shits about right. what job I had at any point. And they just listen to what they like. So I have this whole boatload of lesbian friends that live, like, we live in a lake community, obviously. And they're all singing on the world's girl crush. And I'm laughing so <laughs> hard and going... Oh my God. Like, it's fun. Yeah. I don't even care. Like, I'm listening to music as a fan. Yeah. And not, it's not my job anymore. And I dig that. Honestly, really dig. Did it take you a while to get to that place? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, me too. Yeah. Because I was mad for yeah. a while. For a minute. Like, honestly, when I quit, like, when we decided, and Little Extra Music is not shut down, it's just 
we hired some pluggers that are still pitching the catalog and still working it, whatever. But just to step back from that, for the first probably three or four months, all I listened to was Christian music and 70s on 7. Mm-hmm. Like I didn't even want to listen to country music right. at all. But then when I started like sticking my toe back in the water and listening, I was like, oh, I don't hate that. That's cool. Right. I like how your, worth, your first reaction was, well, I don't hate it. Right. Because, <laughs> no, yeah. But yeah, I mean, I remember sitting with DePiro one day writing, that's Bob DePiro, and he could just tell I wasn't there. And he finally just put his guitar down and goes, what's your problem? And I go, every song I hear on the radio, I think, why didn't I think of that? That's freaking awesome. Or what you just said, I got 10 songs just like that, and they're all better. I said, I just don't know how to handle it. And he picked up his guitar and looked at me like I had three heads and went, "Uh, write another song? Mm. Like, oh, yeah. He goes, what else? Duh. (laughs) <laughs> like I was, I felt pretty, pretty stupid. He said it with love, but still. No, I get that though. I mean, you just, you have to get to that place. Tim Dubois was one of my great mentors in my music career. Right. And he told me one time, he said, when you stop having fun, stop doing it. Yeah. Just don't, don't be that asshole that takes the paycheck and does that gig because you need the paycheck or whatever. When you stop having fun, stop doing it. Yep. And it's a creative job. And if your passion is not there and your creativity is not there, then don't do it. And honestly, that was the thing. When Joe and I looked at each other and said, I don't want to do this anymore. Yeah. And then, gratefully, we had some hits and we're still having some hits, and that's great. But um, it's very nice to be able to sit on the sidelines right now. Yeah. See what's coming. Yeah. Well, thanks. Thanks. Uh, this is fine. In your intro, it says that you were a, a boss, a publisher. What else was it? I wrote it all out. I like the boss. That's good. Yeah. I'm still the boss. Yeah. I'm the boss of my dog. Sometimes. <laughs> the although. boss of my garden. I don't know. <laughs> That's it. You uh, introduced me to my wife. I so. did. You're welcome. Yes. Thank you. I love you. I love you. This is fun. Talk thank you very soon. much. Okay. Bye. Bye.